Hey, this is Pastor Rick. I am coming to you in a special way today because I've got some things I want to talk to you about. I am on a missions trip right now serving thousands of people, and I'll tell you about that when I get back in a couple of days. But I wanted to stop today and make sure that I, I gave you a direct message that I think will help you. Uh, I was really in, touched by the election, like a lot of you were. A lot of you were affected by it. A lot of you had opinions about it. A lot of you uh, are disappointed. There are some people that are ecstatic, and there are some that are not. So I thought today it would be important for me to talk about this and to give you a perspective. You know, it's really easy sometimes to think that you know the answers for everybody, but we don't. Sometimes we think we know, sometimes we think we've got it all figured out, but in reality, we don't all know. We're all learning. And so today, I want to talk from the theme of the big question, I call it. How can you move forward when politics confuses you? How do you manage a moment when something happens in our political environment or world or neighborhood or wherever you are in dealing with politics, and it doesn't go like you planned? Now, I understand uh, the challenge that a lot of people face trying to figure this out, Christians in particular. I do have a strong conviction that Christians uh, can really be quite dangerous when it comes to politics because they feel they hear from God and they have the superior knowledge above everybody else's experience and everybody else's viewpoint. The danger with that is they don't consider anybody's perspective. They don't consider anybody's way, wish, or desire. And sometimes we hear so much from God, but we never talk to the minorities who are affected by our political decisions. We never talk to the poor people that are affected by our political decisions. We don't really know people. We come from a different place, and so I have to be careful. Or sometimes we forget people, people up in the Midwest, people in the South, people in the East, people that are brought here as immigrants and are facing challenges, people that need jobs, people whose plants were closed. We have, there are a lot of people coming from a lot of different places. The question is, how should I view that as a Christian? Should I get up on some spiritual high horse and say, God told me exactly what you need and just kind of talk without listening, or should I listen? What I want to do today uh, is say, at the end of this, let me tell you what my goal is. At the end of this today, my goal is to inspire you. My goal is to challenge you. I want you to see people differently. I want you to leave this time with me today. And I want you to say, I get something that I didn't get before. And even if you don't like the results of the presidential election, I want to challenge you to be a bigger person. I, I'll tell you what I, I've said uh, to uh, my family, to friends, people who've called me, you have to learn how to win and you have to learn how to lose. And you have to learn how to be a good winner and a good loser. You have to learn how to be both. You have to learn that what we have in this country is unique. The right to have a political process is unique. I was sitting with somebody the other day, I won't say what country from, I was, uh, he's from, but he was telling me that in his country, there is no voting, not really. That the leaders stay until he's conquered or taken over. He said, he who has the biggest gun stays in. That's what he said, he who has the biggest gun stays in power. And, and that's not true. Since 1947, uh, we changed the, the Constitution, we put an amendment on the Constitution that said, that you can only serve two terms. I don't know if you know, but FDR, uh, Franklin uh, Roosevelt, he served 
for, for his fourth term. He died in his fourth term. And after that, there was a move to change that. I don't know if you know this, too. might be interesting for you. Did you know that the average president serves one term? That the average guy does not. I think it's like 40% of presidents have served two terms. There are a lot of things that we assume that these are permanent positions and people are going to stand them forever. And this is just not statistically true, nor is it factually true. We are privileged to have a system that as imperfect as it is, and we saw a lot of the flaws in this election, we saw things happen that were amazing that have never happened before. And they should concern us. And they should be fixed. And some things should not be said, done, or, done, or allowed. Let me say it again. They should not be said, done, or allowed. Let me say it one more time. They should not be said, done, or allowed. And that's something to deal with down the road. But I want you to learn how to respond when you're confused politically. And so what I want to do is start you in, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 21. I chose one chapter in the Bible that I thought addressed this issue. And it gives you a picture of God's view of leadership and then issues that God struggles with, political issues. Things that God would say, these are things I don't like. When I see these things in the lives of people, I don't like them. I want you to pause with me today and let me show you how God responds. So remember, our big question now is, how can you move forward when politics confuses you? When politics confuses you, how can you move forward? Now, listen. You are gifted, I believe, to move forward. And that's the, the series we're in. You're gifted to be hurricane strong, whether it be a political hurricane or a personal hurricane. Or a political hurricane, doesn't matter. You're gifted to be strong. And so I want you to think with me for a second. Matter of fact, why don't you say that with me, please? Say, I am. All right, come on, join me now. Say, I am. I am. Gifted. Gifted. To be strong. You are gifted by God to be strong. No matter what storm comes up, nothing should take you out. Nothing. I was um, training one day with uh, uh, a personal trainer, and, and we were doing grappling uh, in this training session. And we would grapple probably twice a week. And, uh, and he, he said to me, he says, Temple, if you get into it, I want you, when they throw you down, I don't want it to be over when you're on the ground. I want you to learn how to scrap. I want you to learn how to get up, get out of holes, fight back. And there's something about learning how to do that. It's not easy. It's painful. It's embarrassing. Sometimes he'd throw me down and say, get out of the hole. He said, get out of this hole. I said, I can't. <laughs> it's horrible. But there are moments in life when you must learn to grapple, when you must learn to struggle through emotions, through disappointments, whether it be political, whatever it be. So let me, if I can, give you this. What I call my formula. Two things that I do to help me when I'm confused. Number one, remember God still rules. That's the first thing I do. And here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 21 and 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Whoever is in charge is not really fully in charge. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And then he goes on and says this, like the rivers of water, he turns it 
wherever he wishes. So you don't ever need to panic because God has the power to turn anything around. He can do an amazing thing that you never imagined. And so let's remember that. Second thing that I want you to remember. Guard what you say. I love verse 23 of Proverbs 21. Here's what it says in Proverbs 23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. There's something that happens when you say, you know, I'm not going to join in certain conversations that are, that are, that are hostile to leadership. And I want you to hear me carefully. I, I, I want to say a couple of names just to make the point here. I don't know that I like the way people talked about George W. Bush or George Bush, um, the, the last Bush who, who was president. I, I struggle when I listen to some of it. I struggle with the way they talk about President Barack Obama. I, I, I think some of it's just, I, I struggle. And what I don't want us to do, and I don't think anybody should, just make it a habit to just down leaders and just, just take the worst statement you can dream up and say it. You remember, there's a power in your words. If you can't do anything but pray, then 1 Timothy chapter 2 is for you. 1 Timothy 2 says, pray for leaders. Why? So that you may lead a quiet and peaceable life. That's why you pray for leaders. Leaders you don't agree with. Leaders that aren't perfect. You have leaders on your job. You have leaders that you work with. And they're not perfect people. They make mistakes. They have attitudes. They have flaws. And sometimes you don't know what to do with these people. But your job, your job is to pray for them. They need your prayer. If anybody needs your prayers, people who are trying to lead with flaws. And we've seen a lot of flaws lately. It's amazing how surprised we are. I often say one of the good things about this whole experience is we see what we're not. We see where our nation needs to grow. We see where the body of Christ needs to grow. We see a lot of profound lessons and it exposes things that God says, if you really want to go to the next level, if you really want me to bring revival, if you really want me to touch you, here's some things that are imperfect. And by the way, it's not imperfections in political uh, platforms. There's no perfect platform. If one platform is, is, is supporting people on one side and they're ignoring people on the other, that's not a perfect platform. Some kind of way we must find a way in this country to join together and care about everybody's everything. Let me say it again. I'm making up a word here. Everybody's everything. Everybody's everything. I got to care about the Latin people and the Hispanic people and the 11 million immigrants. And I got to care about people who are going through abortion. I got to care about people who are going through the pain of that decision. I got to care about everybody. I've got to care about everybody because that is what the gospel is really all about. And so I need to be careful not to forget that God's ruling. And number two, I've got to be careful not to forget that God wants me to watch what I say. There are four things that I think can help you for those of you who are facing a real moment of disappointment during this election. Let me give you four things disappointing moments can teach you. Four benefits, four, four things you can learn in a disappointing moment. Number one, you don't have everything figured out. 
you think you do. You know, you listen to all these people on the news and they give you all these scenarios and all these polls and all these things and you think you got everything nailed down and a lot of us think that way. When you got married, you had everything nailed down. When you got kids, you had everything nailed down. When you got this new job, when you graduated from college, you had everything nailed down. Well, here's what you learn in disappointing moments is you don't have everything nailed down. You don't know everything. You haven't figured out everything. Number two... Your vote and participation really matters long term. You know, in moments, especially when you're politically confused, the question is, did you participate? If you don't like the results, did you go, did you make the effort? And if you didn't, then think about this moment. Here's, here's what I figured in my life. I said, I'll probably be in seven more elections. I've been in several in my life. And I think it's so amazing that in all these, and really, to be honest, it's more than that because it's probably 14 because there's, mid, there's midterm elections. So I'm, I'll probably have 14 more times, 14 to 20 more times to go to the poll. So I can't allow myself to be completely confused and messed up over one if I've got another 14, 15, 20 more to go. I need to learn the power of participation. So if you're disappointed, there's a lesson for you. For all of us. Number three, you need to always do an idol check. Whenever you're sitting there sorting through this stuff, there's a verse in the Bible in Exodus 20, verse 3 through 5, when the Lord gave out the Ten Commandments. And he said something that was profound, that is often overlooked. I want you to listen to it. And I want to read this in the Message Bible because of the way it says it. Here's what he said about idols. No other gods, only me. The King James says, Thou shall be, there shall be no other God before, besides me. But the Message Bible says, no other gods, this just right in it. No other gods do any idol. No other gods, only me. One more time. Only me. No carved gods of any size. Listen to verse 4. No carved gods of any size, shape, or form, of anything, whatever, whether of things that fly or walk or swim. Don't bow down to them and don't serve them because I am God, your God, and I'm a most jealous God, punishing the children for any sins their parents pass on to them. There's a lesson, that's another sermon. You get punished for what your parents passed on. Some of you say, oh, that's what happened to me. But notice the main part of the text and the main meaning here. You need to make sure you have an idol check, I call it. This is where you look and say, am I worshiping somebody? Am I elevating somebody to a place of worship where they are, they are more important to me than God? When I read this part and I put it in bold prints for your notes, whether things that fly or walk, there's something about that. There's something about understanding that I can't allow myself to become so identified with any person that I view that my connection with them is more important than my connection to God. I've got to make sure that I can't be so aligned with the political party or any issue or any doctrine or any position of pride or any dream or any career goal or academic goal more than I'm connected to God. I can't allow this title as a pastor, this position... I can't allow anything I have 
to become so important to me that it drives me away from God. That's an issue in God's mind. But you know what the problem is? And this is the fourth thing I want you to notice. We all think we're right. That's what you learn in a disappointing moment. In a disappointing moment, you tend to get so frustrated because you, you just knew you were right. That everybody would follow your vision. Everybody would join you in this. And I see this all the time. People go through this challenge. Sometimes you have kids and they grow up and they want to move away. Or they want to move out or they want to not be in the family business. And you get frustrated because you thought you knew. But as I said earlier, you, you haven't figured everything out. Here's what he said in, in this incredible chapter. This is Proverbs 21 and 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. That scares me. Everything Ricky Temple thinks, he believes is right. But the Lord is the one who really weighs things out. He's the better judge of what's right. He weighs out the heart. And when he does that, he identifies the real issues. I gave you a list of ten. The issues that matter to God. And I want to just read through them, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I want you to just think with me. Because one of the things I think that happens is we, we really, politicians miss this sometimes. We miss it. Christians miss it. If you ask me what political issues occupy the mind of God, what does he think about? What is it that God would say, here's my platform. Here's my political argument. That's what he'd say. First thing on the list, this is from Proverbs 21, verse 3 through 11. I want you to just listen to these, 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 these incredible, this incredible list of 10 things. First of all, he says, I'm concerned about righteousness. I want what is right. And that's not what's right just for me. That's what's right for everybody. Righteousness is about what's right. It's not about a religious denomination. It's about doing what's right and just, it says. He says he's concerned about pride. He's concerned about pride, verse 4. He's concerned about haste, people who just rush into things without thought and research. He's concerned about lying, verse 6. Wow. Just telling the truth. You know one of the sad things I've said as a pastor after being one for 35 years? I, and this is not a great commentary, but this is what I've said. One of the biggest problems with Christians face is we're not truthful with ourselves. That's why, if you remember, in, 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 in Paul's description of putting on the whole armor of God, the first thing he says is be girded about with truth. Be transparent. He looked up at the Roman soldier and he said, let me describe for you what a Christian should put on. And he says he must put on the whole armor of God. And that's what's going to help him stand against the wiles of the devil. But it's hard. It's hard to be truthful. It's hard to say you don't know everything. It's hard to admit you don't understand everything. And we tend to lie to ourselves. We cover it over with Christian language and Christian culture. And we somehow allow that to become the guiding light for us. He's concerned about righteousness, he's concerned about pride, he's concerned about haste, he's concerned about lying, and then he's concerned about violence, verse 7 of Proverbs 21. He's concerned about people 
being injured. He's concerned about the people in Syria. He's concerned about the people in these various countries that are being kidnapped. He's concerned about that. He's concerned about purity, verse 8. That's right. He wants you to live right. You want to know what the issue is for, in God's mind? That we become, in many ways, not as pure. Committed to holy living. Number seven, verse nine, he's committed to relationships. Getting along with people. He's, then he says something in verse 10 that was amazing. He's concerned about our soul. Our soul. Not just the flesh. He wants, to, he, he wants to look beneath the surface. Number nine, this is amazing. In verse 11, he says, I'm concerned about scoffers, people who belittle others and who mock others and who find that amusing. And let me tell you something. Look at me carefully. That's anybody. That's, that's anybody. That there's something dangerous. It's an issue on God's, on God's plate he raises. You know, I, I, I'm not really happy when I see scoffers. And then he's also concerned about the wise. Wisdom. Now, all these are listed for you if you have notes there. They're listed for you as what I call the issues that matter to God. And I gave you a list. It's verse 3, he says, let me just read it to you. He wants you to do righteous and justice. It's more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Verse 4 says, a haughty look, a proud heart, and, a, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. Or the ways of the wicked, the route the wicked takes, the things the wicked plows and plants, they're sinful. The plans in verse 5 of the diligent lead, to, lead surely to plenty. But those, of, but those of everyone who is hasty surely ends up in poverty. He's concerned about people lying. In verse 6, getting treasure by a lying tongue. Getting treasure by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. He's concerned about violence. In verse 7, the violence of the wicked will destroy them because they refuse to do justice. Then verse 8, he says, the guilty man is perverse, but as for the pure, his work is right. Verse 9, Better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. He's talking about relationship tension. He's worried about people not getting along. And he challenges, challenges you to, to look at this from the outside. And he says that's not good. Then he talks about in verse 10, the soul. The soul of the wicked desires evil, but his neighbor finds no favor in his eyes soul of the wicked. He's concerned about what happens to us on the inside. And as a nation, that's my concern. The inside of us as a people. And then lastly, the wise. But the wise, I'm sorry, verse 11, the scoffer rather is punished. The scoffer is punished. The simple is made wise. My goal is to be one of those people who are made wise. Verse 11 says, and when the wise is instructed, here's what happens. He receives knowledge. So I want you to pause for a minute in your confusion. I want you to pause for a minute in your thoughts, and I want you to just think with me. I want you to think about two simple truths. One, when all this is over with, when you've gone through your political thoughts and feelings and 
You've gone through all of your emotion. At the end of the day, here's what you have to do. Here's what you have to do. Remember, God cares about everybody. Not just you. Not just Republicans, not just Democrats, not just Independent, not just people in the South, not just black people, not just white people, not just Hispanic people. He cares about everybody. That is our responsibility to pick up that same spirit. And here's what he says in verse 13 to warn us in Proverbs 21. Whoever shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also himself not be heard. There's something about being clear about this. God says, you know, you need to make sure you're listening to everybody. For just a moment, lay aside your tension, your frustration and say, did I hear? Am I going to be one of those wise people or one of the scoffing people? What kind of person am I going to be? What's my response? And you got to pause and ask the question, are you any different than anybody else? And then a verse that comforts me. I wrote this verse down because, as a matter of fact, the entire sermon was going to be centered around this, but I wanted to just make sure you heard this verse. And again, I read this from from the version I think will help you see it. This is from the message version. God, my shepherd. That's what he starts out saying. In Proverbs, this is in Psalm 23. You know, the English, the, the King James says, the Lord is my shepherd, but he just jumps in and says, God, comma, my shepherd. <laughs> that's like saying, Ricky, my brother, or Rick, my pastor. He just jumps in and says, God, my shepherd. I don't need a thing. Glory to God. God, my shepherd. Mercy. I don't need a thing. I don't need a thing. Because God is my shepherd. I don't need a thing. Some of you are worried, but listen, if God is your shepherd, you don't need a thing. He goes on to say this. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. Wow. You find me a quiet pool to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath. I love that. And send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through death valley. Even when I'm going through death valley valley emotionally and mentally here's what he says you serve me I love that that's in verse 5 go back a little bit he says I'm not afraid and when you walk at my side you your trusty shepherd's crook or staff makes me feel secure now verse 5 you serve me you serve me a six-course dinner right in the front of mine enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup runs or brims over with blessing. You know, it's amazing after all the election and all the hype and all the emotion and all that took place. I asked myself a question. Temple, do you still have a car? Temple, do you still have a house? Temple, do you still have a future? Temple, do you still have a God? Temple, do you still have a way? Do you still see? Am I still your shepherd? 
And I said, yes, you are. And so when the world's confusing, when everything is turning in a way you don't plan for it to turn, you can lift up your head because the Lord is your shepherd. And you don't need a thing. Because the Lord is your shepherd. And you have not made any man an idol. You've not made anybody a priority in your life so much so that when it doesn't go the way you plan, you give up and you lose hope. I believe. Here's what he says. Your beauty, verse 6. And love, chase after me every day, all of my life. The King James says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy will follow me when I'm confused. Goodness and mercy will give me a light when I cannot see. Goodness and mercy will be with me. You, my friend, should believe that your God is still God. He's still alive. Nothing's changed. The names may change on the door, but nothing's changed. He didn't lose his power. He didn't lose his strength. He didn't lose his ability to bless your life. You did not lose your God. You might have lost an election. You might have lost a hope or a dream you had for a moment. But don't you dare think. Or you may have won. You may be ecstatic. You may be happy. And that's great if you are. But hear me. Hear me. The Lord is your shepherd. He's the one that you trust. And he's the one that will guide you when you're confused and you don't know the way. Now I want you with me to bow your heads. I want you to stand up on your feet. Everybody, everywhere in this building. And I want to pray right now. Because I believe that God's hand is upon our nation. God's hand is upon our people. This great divide that the enemy wants to bring, we will not allow. We will, we will rise above this. We will glide past this. Because the Lord is our shepherd. And I don't need a thing. God is my shepherd. Father, in Jesus' name. And I want you to lift your hands up high. High as you want to be blessed. Get your hands up high. All over this building. And pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name. I pray for peace. Peace that passes all understanding. I pray for healing in every mind. I pray for vision to see beyond men, beyond political party, beyond philosophy, beyond our own pain. Help us to look across the bridge and find a way to extend the hand. I pray that this becomes a plan and a dream in the heart of every family, in every black person, white person, Asian person, Hispanic person, political person, that we would find help and strength so God I declare by faith today in Jesus name healing for your people healing and blessing and grace in the name of Jesus now with every head bowed and every eye closed I want to pray a prayer now, some of you in here today your big issue the thing that you face the most is not a political race it's your spiritual race you've lost touch with God You've lost touch with your walk with God, but I want to challenge you today to get back on track. I'm going to pray a prayer today. And I want you to just listen to this prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. 
every hand down. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for people today in this room and those who are streaming in at home. I pray, God, that your spirit would touch them. I pray that the Holy Spirit would bring to them a strong sense that they need to give their lives to Jesus. Today is the day that they need to come to you. They, they can't look to a man to save them or a woman, anybody to save them. They need to come to you. And so today, I pray that this will be the moment they say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you, and I ask you to be the Lord of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And now, secondly, I want to pray one more prayer. I want you to look at me for a second. For some of you, you have been coming around this church for a long, long time. Look at the preacher. And you have been a hanger around her. Every week, I promised you that I would ask you a question about whether it's time for you to join, be a part of us. Those of you that are watching from home, we're going to have an online membership process. We'll talk to you about that later. But I want you to, that's coming up next year. But right now, if you're interested and you're here, in your seat back pocket, there is a blue card. And that blue card is a membership. It's called Get Connected. And if you don't see the blue card, there's, a, there's a, simply a visitor's card in there. Just write your name on it. Put your name and your phone number, not your, and your phone number, and listen to me, your email in English. I want you to please do that. And then I want you to take that blue card. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that blue card, and I want you to bring it up front to one of the elders that will be standing here. Daryl Lawrence will be waiting for you, and he will stand in for me this week. Next week, I'll be here in person, and I want you to know I care. And I want all of you that will bring those cards up to say, Pastor, I want to be a member of this church. I want to be a part of this fellowship. And here are four things I want you to think about if you say you want to be a member. You ready? Four things I want you to think about. Number one, if you're willing to come to this church and you're willing to surrender your life to Jesus, you're saying, I want to surrender my life to God. I want to live right. Now, if you don't want to live right yet, don't join yet. Just wait and pray. Let's pray about it. But if you're coming up here, you're saying, Pastor, I'm not perfect, but I want to surrender my life. Then I want you to come. Bring your blue card. Bring that card and say, yeah, I want to join. Secondly, if you say, Pastor, I want to serve. Not necessarily in the church. We may not have enough positions. We got 545 volunteer positions or volunteers already. And there may be sometimes 30, 40, 50 openings. But if we can't find something here for you to serve and do, I want you to find something somewhere in the world. Somewhere you give your life and you help people make the world a better place. You go shine Christ's life in some place. Then I want you to join it. That's what you want to do. If you want to serve, you want to be a servant. And then thirdly, if you want to sow, if you want to give, you want to be a part of the giving process here. You want to, you want to make sure that what we do, we can do. And we can't do it without you. And I've been talking about this and saying it. I believe that God will bless you. I'm going to prepare a special prayer in a moment for that very reason. So if you want to sow, if you want to serve, if you want to surrender your life, and then you, you come join this church. And number four, and the last thing, if you want to show up, now I don't want you to join and not come. At least make the effort twice a month to come in person. If you can come three times, it'd be great. But if you can come two times and then stream in once, make sure you download the app and you're, you're in touch with us. You try to show up, come to the events pray for us. If you want to do those four things, then you come join. 
Brother Daryl Lawrence, he'll introduce himself to you a little later. He will show you standing. I'm standing in for the pastor today. He'll be waiting for you at the church. You bring your blue card to him and say, yeah, I want to join. And I'll shake the pastor's hand next week. See, that means you got to show up next week. So I want you to think about that. Now, having said all that, here's what I want you to do. If you bowed your head with me earlier and you prayed the prayer, you heard me pray the prayer, start a life with Jesus. You prayed that prayer, then I want you to do me a favor. I want you to notice we've got Get Connected Station. So I want everybody to go ahead and be seated. Go ahead and be seated now. And here's what I want you to do. At the end of the service, Brother Daryl's going to come and they're going to tell you what to do if you raise your hand. Now, I would be here today in person, but you know I've got to do kingdom work. And so I want you to believe with me. With your hands lifted, please high. Let's pray one final prayer. Lift your hands up high as you can, high as you want to be blessed. And I want to pray this prayer with you. Father, I pray that today as we come to the end of this time in our service and as they prepare to give, May the blessings of God be upon them. May the hand of God be strong upon them as they give. Thank you for the opportunity to touch so many lives around the world and to make a difference in the world. And thank you, Lord God, that we are a team. So we lift our hands to you today, bringing our tithes and our offerings, thanking you for this opportunity, and thanking you for the difference we're going to make in the world. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Here comes the elders now. Give them your divine, divided attention. They're going to give you a special set of instructions, and then they're going to also show you a special announcement you don't want to miss. So God bless you, and you pray for your pastor. We're going to win together in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you feel like he can go forward?